Alleluia. Jesus is alive and well and lives forevermore. Let us give thanks to God. God our Father, on this Resurrection Sunday, we come before you with our hearts overflowing with thanksgiving and gratitude to you. We thank you that you have loved us with an eternal love. And we thank you that from the foundations of the earth, the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, was was slain for our sins. And that he came into this world. He lived amongst human beings and ministered, gave himself a ransom, was dead and buried and rose again from the dead. And we say hallelujah and praise God that Jesus is alive. Jesus, your resurrection attests to the fact that you are Lord indeed, creator, Lord forever. That your name is the highest name, that you are the most supreme one, that you are glorious. And indeed, your manifestation in this earth And your resurrection has broken every plan of the enemy. The scripture says, for this reason you was made manifest to destroy the works of the enemy. You have destroyed sin and the power of sin over our lives. You have destroyed sickness and diseases. You have destroyed demonic influences. You are the ruler of heaven and earth and all that is beneath the earth. All is subject to you. Hallelujah. Now thank you that you have given us power to exercise in this day and this time. We thank you for the authority that you have given to us. And now, Lord, I declare over your people prosperity. I declare over your people provision. I declare over your people healing. I declare over your people wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Guide your people, O God, in the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you that there's nothing that we need that we have to seek outside of you. All that we need is found in you, mighty God. And in the the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we thank you that that the power of the resurrection resides in us and greater is he that lives inside of us, greater than any opposition that we can face in the world. So we declare today that we are overcomers. Yes, we go through tests, We go through trials, we go through tribulations, but we overcome. We're not going to be overcome by the enemy. We overcome. That means that when we go through our tests, we come out with spoils. We come out better the other end than we go in. And we thank you, oh God. We thank you. We believe this. We declare this. We proclaim it, Lord, and we will see it come to pass in the name of Jesus. So thank you that you meet the needs of the the members and friends of our church today as we rejoice. Lord, today is not so much about asking you for help and aid, but today is about giving you glory and praise and honor and recognizing that you are a great God, a great King above all gods. And if you are such a God and such a Father to us, then we don't have to be anxious We don't have to be worried. We just have to entrust ourselves. And we do that today in the name of Jesus Christ. And we just celebrate again the resurrection of Jesus that gives us hope now and for the ages to come. We bless you, Lord. We glorify you. We praise your holy name. You are matchless indeed. And we thank you for the abundance of your blessing and grace upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Maybe you want to just lift your hands and say, hallelujah to the risen Lord, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, our Savior forever. Thank you, Lord. Bless your name, Father. Good morning, everyone. Our morning lesson is taken from Mark 16. 
and I'm reading from the King James Bible. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome had brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulchre at the rising of the sun. And they said among themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulchre? And when they looked, they saw the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulchre, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. And he said unto them, Be not affrighted. Ye see Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way. Tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall he see him as he said unto you. And they went out quickly and fled from the sepulchre, for they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. Now when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. And she went and told them that had been with him as they mourned and wept. And they, when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, believed not. After that, he appeared in another form unto two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it unto the residue. Neither believed they them. Afterwards, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In, in my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So then, after the Lord has spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right side of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. Here endeth the reading of the Holy Word. Greetings, love and peace to all the precious brethren and friends, members of Harvest Temple. 
Today we celebrate our risen Lord on this Resurrection Sunday 2021 and we join with millions of believers all around this globe and give God thanks that Jesus Christ is alive and well and alive forevermore. Praise be to God forever. Well, today we conclude our journey through the Gospel of Mark and our series, Faith That Walks. And I want to begin by saying thank you to all the contributors to these messages from the leadership team of Harvest Temple. Thank you for your preparation, for your devotion, for your commitment to share the truth of God's word. May God bless us together as a team as we continue to to journey on in faith that serves and we will serve and bless our God together. Amen. So we're looking today at Mark 16, the final chapter of Mark's gospel. Chapter 16, the scripture has already been read for us. So I will pick up and read portions of it as we journey through the message today. Significant events, significant events change us. If you think back, I can certainly in my life think of significant things and events that have changed my life. Something as simple as a mobile phone, a smartphone, the internet, uh, a sat nav. You know, years ago when we were traveling further afield, you had to purchase an A to Z or go on the internet and look up your route on uh, the AA or RAC. Don't need to do that anymore. All you need is the postcode, and you just pop it in and where you go. Having children changes our lives. Achieving certain goals changes our lives. And indeed, this pandemic, the COVID-19 pandemic that we find ourselves in right now, has had significant impact and change on our world and indeed our lives. Well, today we're going to examine the most significant event that has happened in all of history and its impact on the disciples of Jesus and furthermore those who believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the reason why this is the most significant event because it it impacts every human being both those from the past, those who are, alive, who are alive today, and those who will live from here on, will be impacted by this significant event of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So looking at Mark's gospel, chapter 16, it begins by saying, Now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome brought spices that they might come and anoint him. And that's speaking of Jesus. So we see here that the account opens with the words, and when the Sabbath was passed. Now the other Gospels do not mention the Sabbath, but Mark gives this in his account. If we have any imagination at all, we can imagine that this Sabbath, this Saturday before the resurrection must have been the darkest day that the disciples and the followers of Jesus had ever experienced. The disciples were crushed. Their hopes were dashed. Their dreams demolished and they lived through the dark Saturday with no hope for the future and no belief in the resurrection and you know in our journey in life sometimes we feel that way when things go wrong in our lives when things go pear-shaped as it were we feel there's no hope there's no future but this account gives us hope 
today. So I want to examine today Mark's record and firstly this brief incident of the women coming to the tomb that changed them and gave them hope in the midst of hopeless despair. Looking at Mark 16 verses 3 and 4, the first thing that we see here that as they approached the tomb where Jesus was buried was that the stone was rolled away from the tomb. The scripture says they came worried and concerned about how they would roll that stone away because the stone covered the entrance of the tomb and probably weighed about 450 kilograms. Just to put that into context, when you buy your bag of flour from the shop, the standard size one, that's about one kilogram. So imagine a weight of 450 of those. That would have been probably the approximate weight of the stone. And the stone um, before the tomb was sealed was on an incline, so it was rolled down to the opening of the tomb, and then we know it was sealed with a Roman seal. So it was a very large stone, and the women were naturally concerned about how this stone was going to be moved so that they could get in to anoint the body of Jesus with the spices and ointments that they had brought. But when they had arrived at the tomb, the scripture tells us that the stone had already been rolled back. And in Matthew's gospel, he tells us very early, long before daybreak, an angel had come and rolled back the stone and sat upon it. The countenance of the angel was like lightning bright and shining. The guards with the responsibility of guarding the tomb fell as dead. Dead on the ground. And then as they recovered their senses, stumbled off into the darkness in fear. So all this happened before these women arrived at the tomb on that Sunday morning, the first day of the week. So when they came, there was no sign of anyone. But they understood something remarkable had taken place because the stone had already been rolled away. Then they went into the tomb and the body of Jesus was gone. The body was no longer there. The tomb was empty, and this answers all the arguments of the skeptics over 21 centuries. Every generation has tried to explain this, but no one has been able to explain it. There have been attempts to explain away the events of the crucifixion and resurrection. But all these rely on the ancient lie which was circulated in the very first century by the soldiers who were paid to say that Jesus, his friends had come and stolen his body away. Now this is impossible to believe because if you want to refute the fact that Jesus is risen and his friends or enemies had come and stolen his body then wouldn't you produce his body to show that he was still dead? So obviously this was never done. And also there were guards stationed there who had the responsibility to guard the tomb and it was sealed with the great seal of Rome. The most amazing thing of all that confronted these women is the fact Not only was the body gone, but lying there was uh, the clothes that wrapped Jesus' body. And it seems as if Jesus' body had almost evaporated through these cloths. And the cloths remained there in the shape of the body of Jesus Christ. And the other Gospels tell us 
that when these women left the tomb and ran to the disciples and told them the news, Peter and John came running to the tomb. And when they saw the grave clothes, when they saw these linen cloths in the shape of the body of Jesus, but his body was not there before he was risen, they were also convinced that Jesus had risen from the dead. The fact of these grave clothes have never been explained. No one, none of these skeptics have ever satisfactorily explained the puzzles, the conundrums, why these empty grave clothes were left in the tomb in the shape of the body of Jesus. And the words of the angel to these women contained answers to all the skepticism of 21 centuries. For the angel said some things to them which answer most of the claims which have ever raised in questioning the actuality of the resurrection. Verse 6 of Mark 16. The first thing the angel said was, This Jesus of Nazareth, this one who was crucified, the same one you seek has risen from the dead. Some say that the woman went to the wrong tomb. But however, the whole question is answered here by the angels. He says to the woman, this very same Jesus, the one that you knew from Nazareth, the one who accompanied you in Galilee and Judah, the Jesus who you saw crucified on the cross with nails in his hands, crown of thorns on his brow, nails in his feet and a sword put through his side. The same Jesus that was taken down and buried in a tomb. This is the Jesus who is now risen and is alive. So, uh, Mark's gospel clearly identifies that it's not another Jesus, but it's the Jesus who they knew and was amongst them um, and lived and ministered amongst them. The second thing the angel said was, he is not here. That is, not only is he risen, but he is not here. And those words make it clear that Jesus was not just raised from the dead, or he was not raised from the dead spiritually, but he was raised from the dead bodily because he was not there. It was the body of Jesus that rose from the dead. And the Bible consistently uh, defends this proposition that it was the very body that was put into the grave that was dead, which also was raised from the dead. He's not here. He's not here in person because Jesus is yet a human person with a human body. Yes, changed with a different body from the one we have, an immortal body, but he's still a human and he has risen from the dead bodily. And then in verse 7, he says, go and tell his disciples that he goes before you to Galilee. So the angels underscore the claim of scripture that Jesus is alive, that he rose bodily and that he is going to a specific place, Galilee. And then the third thing the angel says is go tell his disciples and Peter that he's going before you to Galilee. What a wonderful touch here from the angel. Remember the last time we saw Peter in Mark's gospel, he was standing in the courtyard of the high priest during the trial of Jesus. And a little maiden kept following him around saying, I know you, you were with him weren't you? And Peter kept denying it. Three times, in fact, he denied it. The last time she approached him, she said, I know you are one that was with him because even your accent betrays you. You are from Galilee. And this time Peter 
the scripture says, began to curse and pronounce oaths. No, I don't know him. I have never known him. I have not been with him. And then just then, the scripture tells us, after he denied Jesus three times, the cock crowed. And Peter remembers that Jesus said, before the cock crows, you will have denied me three times. And the scripture says that Peter went into the darkness of the night, weeping bitterly. But so glad to hear that the angel said, go and tell Peter and the disciples, or rather disciples and Peter. And this puts Peter right back into the group or the band with the apostles. What does that say to us? It says that our God wants to know us personally. God doesn't just want to know us as a church or as a group of people, but God wants to know us personally. We could almost put our name in there. You can put your name in there. God wants to have an intimate, personal relationship with you. Then the last thing that the angel said was, he's going before you to Galilee. There you will see him as he told you. And these are faithful words which Jesus had already spoken to the disciples before he was crucified. And here the angel is underscoring the reliability of the word of Jesus or the words of Christ and that we can wholeheartedly and absolutely trust him and trust what he says to us because he fulfilled his promise to meet them in Galilee. Now these events and this, what the angel said to the woman, changed their view from a, a place, they came from a place of despair and hopelessness to a place where they were filled with hope. It says in, in verse 8 of Mark 16. And excitement and ecstasy, and they, they left trembling, you know, um, excited that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. And now we're going to look at Mark 16 from verse 9 through to 20. And I want to just note here that in some versions of the Bible, particularly the RSV, you find that Mark 16, 9 through to 20 is in a footnote at the bottom of the page. That is because many scholars are in doubt as to whether these verses actually belong to the Gospel of Mark. It is true that the best of the Greek manuscripts do not contain these 12 verses. But it is also true that the overwhelming majority of Greek manuscripts that we have today do contain these verses. And it is also true that two of the earliest church fathers writing from the beginning of the second century quote from this passage. So it is clear that from the very beginning, the church accepted these 12 verses as accurate, even though we're not sure if they were penned by Mark. So one thing that you'll notice um, reading from verse 9 onwards uh, is a change in the writing style. It's not in the narrative form. Up until this point, Mark had been narrating the events um, of surrounding the life of Jesus. But uh, from this last section, it summarizes in brief order the events that occurred over a period of 40 days. And that change of summary form does indicate that perhaps it was written by a person other than Mark. The key to this passage, this, this, the end of Mark's gospel though, is the word believe. 
The resurrection of Jesus Christ is something to be believed. And it's intended to change lives as we act on believing that Jesus is raised from the dead, our lives are changed. And it says in verse 9, Now when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. Verse 10, She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. So you can see they were still mourning and weeping, even on the Sunday morning. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. So immediately the writer is underscoring here the fact that these disciples, when they heard of Mary's experience with Jesus, they did not believe. Now Mary Magdalene returned more slowly to the tomb, John tells us in his gospel, as she stood weeping in the garden and saw what she thought was the gardener. She asked him where they had laid the body of Jesus. And then this apparent gardener spoke her name and then she knew it was Jesus. Holding him by the feet, she worshipped him, the scripture says. And this was the first appearance of the risen Lord to a disciple. He came first, as Mark tells us, to Mary Magdalene. And she ran and told the other disciples. But Mark tells us that Mary told them that Jesus was alive. And that she had actually seen him. But they did not believe. And then verse 12. Jesus appears to two disciples. And it reads, after that he appeared in another form to two of them. As they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it to the rest. But they did not believe them either. Here we see a brief account of what um, Luke expands on in his gospel, where you have two disciples walking to Emmaus, which is uh, about 11 miles away from the place of the crucifixion. And Jesus appears to them almost like in another form. They didn't recognize him at first. And as they journeyed, he, he shared with them and eventually he went into a, a dwelling place with them, broke bread. And it's at this point that they recognized it was Jesus. And it says that these two disciples went back to Jerusalem immediately and told the disciples that they had seen Jesus, but the disciples did not believe and verse 14 says, Later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And it's evident here that Mark wants us to understand that a climate of persistent and stubborn unbelief prevailed among these disciples after the resurrection of Jesus. They found it difficult to accept this amazing fact that others had seen Jesus raised from the dead. But the significant thing here is that Jesus expected them to believe. And even as he did in the days of his flesh before he was crucified, even as the risen Lord, Jesus rebukes the disciples for their unbelief. He takes them to task because they refused to believe those who had seen him. And John's gospel tells us that a week later Jesus appeared to them when Thomas, who had not been there the first time he appeared to the disciples, but Thomas was there. And Jesus invited Thomas to examine him, to put his hands on his side and touch the nail prints in his hand and his feet. Thomas did so and fell down at his feet, crying, My Lord and my God. John 20, 28. And then Jesus said, You have believed because you have seen me. 
Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. And years later, when Peter is writing his letters to the Christians, he says to them in 1 Peter 1.8, Without having seen him, you love him. Though you do, though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with unutterable and exalted joy. Amen. So even though they had not seen Jesus and they received the witnesses of these two disciples and Mary Magdalene, Jesus rebukes them for not believing. And after that, it says in verse 15 and 16, then he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. The translators of the Bible put most the emphasis both in Matthew's gospel and Mark's gospel on the word go. But in fact, in the original language this was written in, the emphasis is more on the word preach. So we could read part of this scripture. It would be probably better if we read it saying, as you go, preach. So Jesus took it for granted that they were going to go. And what is really, this, this commission is, is, is more about preaching the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ to the whole of creation. So what is the good news? The good news here is clearly the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ himself. That is the good news. The good news is not just that Jesus came to earth and did wonderful miracles and taught people wonderful things. The good news is that Jesus died for our sins. He was buried and was raised back to life by the Spirit of holiness. That is the good news. And the good news means to us that the power of evil in our lives can be broken by the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is the good news that we ought to be preaching as we go. And it was Mark Twain that used to say, it isn't the parts of the Bible I can't understand that bother me. It's the parts I do understand. People need to be changed and transformed from the very depths of their inside. Not so much because of what you don't understand, but because of what you do understand. The fact is Jesus died for our sins. We understand that. He was buried and raised from the dead for our justification we understand that and we can believe that today. And this is what the scripture calls, if we believe that, salvation. And that's why Jesus said, he who believes this good news and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. Now there are certain people who quibble over this uh, issue of uh, be believing and being baptized to be saved. And there are some who are extreme in their views in regards to this and would say that you cannot be saved unless you have believed and have been baptized. Well, I would say that I don't believe the scripture supports that. I believe that we are saved by faith alone in Jesus Christ by grace alone. So nothing that we do can add to um, the sal our salvation. And the implication is that to believe and then having to be baptized is that we have to perform a work or some works to be saved. So 
I don't believe that baptism affects one's salvation. However, it would be terrible to say that uh, baptism is not necessary because it is essential to believe for salvation, but it is just as essential to be obedient to Christ and to be baptized. So baptism is essential, but it is not essential for salvation to be saved. So then Jesus, knowing the pressure that we be brought against these disciples to get them to deny the supernatural event of his resurrection. The Lord says that there will be certain signs that would follow them as they would preach as they go. These signs would accompany them to encourage them and to bear witness to the risen Lord. And this is outlined in verse 17, as the Lord knew they would be going to a climate of unbelief and skepticism. And it reads, verse 17 and 18, And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. And they will lay hands on the sick, and the sick will Recover. Jesus is saying to them, as you go, preach to every creature. And he gave them power to deliver from demons, power to set free from demonic influence. The scripture says here that they were given a new language. They would speak in new tongues. And if you want to read more, about that, you can look at 1 Corinthians 12 and also 1 Corinthians 14. Tongues were given to them as a sign, speaking in tongues that they had not learnt. They were given this ability. And in 1 Corinthians 14, it says, New tongues is not spoken to men, it's spoken to God. And it is not for believers, it is a sign for unbelievers. Also, it says further to this, that disciples will be given power to survive physical attacks upon their lives. That even if a poisonous serpent would bite them, they would not die, they would survive this. Um, We know that this is not to be taken literally, as many years ago I saw a program on the television of a church somewhere in the United States, where they literally had a snake pit in the church. And every so often they would take snakes out and be bitten by them. And then, you know, they would pray and believe to survive. That's not what the scripture means. It means as you go and your life is endangered, you know, whether it's by a literal snake or the attack of the enemy in some other way, you will survive. There's power to keep you. Then the fourth sign is to heal and to lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. And they also did that. And we also see in the book of Acts, a lot of this is, 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 is outlaid there. And the apostle Paul, he did all of these things. He delivered people from um, demons. He spoke in new tongues. He said he spoke in tongues more than everybody else. He was delivered from physical um, attacks. You remember in the last book of Acts chapter 8 when uh, they were making a fire and a a serpent jumped out and bit him and he shook it off into the fire and he laid hands also on people in his ministry. So these gifts were not just given to the 12 disciples or those disciples but Paul exercised them and they're given to us today also. So then after that, the Lord spoke to them. This is verses 19 and 20. And he, and he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. This gospel of Mark closes with Jesus the Lord in heaven.
Jesus is alive and well, seated at the right hand of the Father. He has gone ahead of us to prepare a place for us, John 14, 3 tells us. To make intercession for us. He ever lives, Romans 8, 34. Jesus ever lives. He's still active in ministry, praying and interceding for us. And he has gone ahead and given gifts to us, according to Ephesians 4, verse 8. I want to close by saying the resurrection of Jesus should make a difference in our lives as well as it made a difference in the lives of the disciples and the apostles. If Jesus was dead and rose again, if he paid for the sins that we committed throughout our lives, if he continues to live on and offer help to us as we live our lives, shouldn't that impact the way that we live? You see, if we really believe the things about Jesus, then his resurrection from the dead should have a far greater impact on us than modern technology like a smartphone or the internet or even the COVID-19 pandemic that we find ourselves living through at this present time. You see, if we truly believe, then we should not be defined by the sins of our past, but be grateful because we know that they are forgiven. If we truly believe, then we should seek God's help as we face struggles in life, realizing that we don't have to face these struggles in our own strength, but because Jesus is alive, he will guide us as we live. If we believe that Jesus is raised from the dead, then we should be excited by the fact that we have forgiveness and life beyond the grave. So excited, in fact, that we want to share this good news with everyone that we know, and in fact, even with those people that we don't know. If we truly believe, then we should be joyful because we know that we are forgiven and no matter what happens in this life, we win. We are victorious. If we truly believe, then we shall have the perspective that even when things are difficult, this life is not all that there is. We should be able to live joyfully in the knowledge that we will spend eternity in heaven with Jesus. If we truly believe, then we should be willing to offer forgiveness to others, understanding the difference that forgiveness has made in our own lives and wanting to extend that same kind of grace to others. This is a type of radical change that we see in the disciples who believed in the resurrection. They were totally different. Jesus had changed their lives. They were different because they believed in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Kyle Eidelman, in his book, Not a Fan, says, we don't often think of it this way, but here's an important truth that needs some attention in circles of faith. A belief, no matter how sincere, if not reflected in reality, isn't a belief, it's a delusion. You see, the person who claims to believe in the resurrection but is unchanged by that belief doesn't really believe at all. For those who really believe will live out and demonstrate a faith that serves let us bow our heads for prayer. Lord, we believe. And we want our belief 
in the resurrected Lord to have significant impact on our lives and on how we live out our lives. We're grateful, Father, that Jesus was raised from the dead. This is a hope that we have, an eternal and everlasting hope. A hope, Lord, that sprung from eternity past into this our present reality. And so, Lord, help us to believe and be witnesses as the disciples as they went preaching and demonstrating the gospel. May we do likewise and many lives, Lord, we pray, will be changed from the inside out and transformed to bring honor and glory to your name. This I ask for Christ's sake and in the name of Jesus. Amen. You have listened to our podcast and now want to start or renew a relationship with Jesus Christ. Congratulations. That is the best decision you could ever make. But how do I become a Christian? I will take you through the three simple steps and a prayer to help you journey with Jesus. You must 1. Ask God for forgiveness. You must 2. Believe your sins are forgiven because God has heard and answered your prayer. 3. Finally, you must confess that Jesus Christ is your Lord. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I know that I am a sinner and that I cannot save myself. I believe that Jesus died for my sins. Please forgive me of my sins. I choose now to turn from everything that I know is wrong. I receive your forgiveness and trust in Jesus alone for my personal salvation. Lord, I give you control of my life. From this day forward, help me to live every day for you in a way that pleases you. Thank you, my Lord, for saving me and for forgiving me. Amen. If you had said this prayer and believe it, welcome into the family of God. You are now a born-again disciple of Jesus. We and the angels celebrate with you that you have decided to follow Jesus. We want to encourage you to tell somebody as soon as possible. Don't wait more than 24 hours. Part of coming to faith in God is sharing your experience with others. Please use the contact details on the screen to get in touch with us. We will speak with you and give you further details on how our church can support your Christian journey. We look forward to meeting you soon. May God keep you by his grace. God bless.